Hey team, Alexis Evans here, and welcome back to the fourth and goal podcast hosted by yours truly. Each week, we're going over the highs and lows from the previous week of NFL games. I'm calling out the top five players, the worst team efforts, game highlights, on and off the field drama, and of course, I'll be making my predictions for the upcoming weekend of games. We're heading into week 10 of the NFL's regular season, and we've got a lot to talk about. So let's go. All right, team, we are back. We're going to get started here. There have been a lot of new signings this week, and some of them are really shaking up the NFL. So let's get started here. Cam Newton is back in Charlotte. Per the NFL, the former superstar quarterback who once won the 2015 NFL MVP award and led the Panthers to an appearance in Super Bowl 50 against the Broncos, where the Broncos won, actually is again in Panther black and blue. Newton signed a one-year deal with the team worth up to $10 million, including $4.5 million fully guaranteed and a $1.5 million roster bonus, the NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reported Thursday, today, this morning. (laughs) Carolina was in need of a quarterback since uh, Sam Darnold had a injury this past week with a cracked scapula that landed the former first round pick on injured reserve. Darnold's play in the last five weeks have been dismal at best, and the injury expedited Carolina's decision to make a change on her center. The reunion was set in motion by Panthers head coach Matt Rule, reaching out to Newton earlier in the week to gauge his interest in returning to Carolina. He emphatically said, yes, Rule said. Newton met with Team Brass on Thursday morning, today, this morning, (laughs) to finalize his contract with the franchise that selected him first overall a decade earlier. The veteran quarterback had spent the preseason and all of the 2020 season with the New England Patriots following his departure from Carolina after the 2019 campaign. Rule wouldn't rule out Newton being ready to play in week 10 against the Cardinals. PJ Walker is slated to start with Matt Barkley backing him up, but acknowledge that the Panthers will likely trot him out (laughs) sooner rather than later. Nice. Newton finished his time in New England on a positive note, posting a 6-3 touchdown-interception ratio in his last eight games and going 4-4 in those contests. He returned to New England on a one-year deal worth up to $13.6 million, but was released at the end of the preseason when the Patriots decided to proceed forward with First round pick, Mac Jones, which honestly, I think was probably a, a good move for them. Newton has since spent the uh, the season as a free agent, getting vaccinated in the process and minimizing concern related to him potentially missing time due to a, a positive COVID-19 test. Quote, he told me he feels healthy and feels great. He's as healthy as he's been, unquote, Rule said. Adding on, he said, a healthy Cam Newton is a special player, unquote. We'll see if he's still special enough to turn around the four and five Panthers once promising season. So we will see how that goes. Um, He was not eligible to play because he was not willing to get vaccinated. And now we're saying that that's such a uh, contradiction as Aaron Rodgers did not get vaccinated and has been playing the entire season. So um, very interesting uh, as that shook out, but um, I'm glad, honestly, I'm glad to see him back in Carolina. I think that's a good move for him. I think that's a good move for the team. I think that's a good move for that um, organization. So I'll be interested to see what he does when he gets back on the field with them. All right, moving on. This is the big news of today. Actually, Carolina and Cam Newton was the big news of today until about an hour ago. And now this is the big news of the day, which is OBJ is coming to LA. (laughs) As of about 
60 minutes ago, Adam Schefter announced that former Browns wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. is finalizing a deal with the Los Angeles Rams. As of now, there are not a lot of details about this deal, but with the addition of a defensive monster in Von Miller last week and now a huge offensive weapon in OBJ, it's clear that the Los Angeles Rams are following suit with the Los Angeles Lakers and creating a quote super team. It's obviously that they don't care or it's obvious that they don't care about future draft picks or their salary cap. They are trying to make a play for the Super Bowl and just gathering the best of the best from around the league to make that happen. I'll be very curious to see if their Frankenstein super team will prove successful or if their large egos will start to get in the way. So we'll see how it goes. Um, it seems like once Von Miller got over there to um, the Rams a few weeks ago, um, he was already making a play for OBJ to come on over and, quote, make a run for the ring. Um, so I think we all can see how clear it is that the Rams are really just trying to, like, get every weapon possible on both sides of the ball and just to see what shakes out of it. So it'll be interesting to watch for the rest of their season. All right, moving on, I want to talk about the Chicago Bears and the Pittsburgh Steelers game and the refs because that was crazy. And I think we all realized how just weird, honestly, like weird it was um, what the refs were doing. So let's chat about it. Um, per CBS Sports, the Bears lost to the Steelers on Monday night thanks to a plenty of their own doing, um, but also plenty of the refs doing in favor of the Steelers. Um, but Matt Nagy's offense reverted to its uninspiring ways of old for much of the first half. Robert Quinn inexplicably lined up offsides on multiple occasions down the stretch, which is just bad coaching. Um, Jakeem Grant fumbled away a second half kickoff, um, which I'm sure doesn't happen very often. So, okay. Um, but even accounting for all of that, if it weren't for the officiating and Monday night's primetime affair, the Bears might have left Pittsburgh with the win. Several untimely penalties helped keep Chicago in an uphill battle and none rang louder than a taunting flag thrown on Cassius March, uh, Marsh with less than four minutes to play. A quote BS call as Bears linebacker Raquan Smith put it put it to reporters afterwards that had social media abuzz during the game. The biggest storyline has to be the disparity of the penalties with the Bears getting hit with 12 for 115 yards, while the Steelers were only flagged five times for 30 yards. Some of the penalties were clearly the fault of the Bears players, but some of them were simply ridiculous. The biggest of which being the fourth quarter taunting penalty that was called on the news bear outside linebacker Cassius Marsh. Just five days after signing with the Bears, Marsh made one of the biggest plays of the night against the Steelers, who was his previous team in 2020. With three minutes and 40 seconds to play in Pittsburgh facing a third and eight from the Bears' 47-yard line, the journeyman linebacker drafted into the pocket, oh, I'm sorry, darted into the pocket to sack Ben Roethlisberger and seemingly force a punt, giving Chicago a chance to take the lead. Marsh proceeded to take several slow steps toward the Steelers' sideline and stared at his former teammates from afar, only to be called for taunting by referee Tony Corrente. The free 15 yards gifted to Pittsburgh a first down and helped set up a field goal to put the Steelers ahead 26-20 with 2 minutes and 52 seconds remaining in the game. As if the subjective taunting penalty wasn't enough to draw the the eye of the Bears and their fans, replay showed that Tony Caronte seemingly leaned into Marsh, who was then jogging back to his sideline before throwing the flag as if to initiate contact from the player. The backstory on why Marsh may have decided to, quote, run at their bench and look at them crossly after getting a sack is that the Steelers released him before the 2021 season started. 
You'll also notice in that clip above that the ref, Karante, turned his zip into Marsh as Marsh ran back to his sideline, and that's something Marsh addressed after the game. He said, quote, on my way to the sideline, I got hip-checked by the ref, and it's pretty clear, unquote, Marsh said. He continued on saying, if I were to do that to a ref or even touch a ref, you know we'd get kicked out of the game, possibly suspended and fined, unquote. Referee Tony Carante met met with the media after the game, and he said, I saw the player after he made a big play run towards the bench area of the Pittsburgh Steelers and posture in such a way that I felt he was taunting them, unquote. So he ran towards the Pittsburgh bench area and postured. Marsh didn't say anything. He just looked in their general direction and gave off a cocky vibe. So here's my perspective on the whole thing. Um, I understand that there's a lot of new rules this season, a lot of new regulations that the refs need to follow in order to ensure the safety of the players. Um, totally get it. There's you know all this um, these health concerns coming out about players aging, and um, we're trying to keep them as healthy as possible as they age out of the game. Get it. I I totally understand that. But I do not agree with the taunting call that was given to Marsh. I think that the rivalry between players and between teams is what makes football so exciting. I really find it curious, and honestly, I find it extremely outrageous um, that referee Tony Carante hip-checked Marsh on his way to his own sideline. Um, I watched this replay many, many times, and I just kept wondering what Karante was thinking and what he was honestly trying to prove with this. I do think that there should be a fine or a repercussion against Karante because I think Marsh is completely correct in saying that if they were to even like slightly bump into a ref or, you know, touch them in any way, they would be heavily fined, suspended, kicked out of the game. Like it is a huge deal. And like also I understand that side of it because the refs are out there unguarded they don't wear you know any side of any kind of like protective gear or anything no helmets or anything so like they need to be protected as well that makes sense but when a ref on purpose physically puts his body in the way of a player that's already moving and basically forces the player to bump into him and then call the player on that, that's just really wild. And I just don't understand what the motivation was behind that. So to be fair, I really think that it was uncalled for and very biased of Karante to do that. And I truly hope that the NFL uses that and sets the example and delivers a punishment for Karante because I think that was uncalled for and Marsh, first of all, shouldn't have been called for taunting before the hip check and then shouldn't have been hip checked by the ref. I think both of them were just extremely biased and personal on the hips or um, on the hips on the ref's um, side of things. So I, I don't know. I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions about it, but that, that is that's mine. All right, here we go. We talked a little bit about this earlier, but we're going to talk about Sam Darnold and his injury here. So per NBC Sports, Panthers head coach Matt Rule confirmed the reporting that quarterback Sam Darnold is out for multiple weeks with a shoulder injury, and we now know is a fractured scapula. Rule noted that he doesn't think the injury will be season ending, which is good, although now that we know that they just signed Cam Newton back to the team, uh, Sam Darnold's injury might be, quote, season ending, if you know what I mean. Um, in his Wednesday press conference, Rule said that Darnold was experiencing a different kind of pain following the loss to the Patriots that his previous sh- um, than his previous shoulder injury. Rule was unsure of exactly when the injury occurred. While Darnold is out, the Panthers are planning to start P.J. Walker at quarterback. All of this news came out, side note, all of this news came out before the Cam Newton signing, so it's a little dated, um, which <laughs> it came out on Wednesday, today is Thursday, and it's it's dated. Like, that's how fast things are moving right now. Um, they also signed Matt Barkley off the Buffalo's practice squad to serve as the backup quarterback. 
Rule mentioned that the Panthers would, quote, obviously explore any and all options, unquote, but declined to discuss the idea of bringing free agent Cam Newton back to their franchise. We now know that all um, obvious options include Cam Newton, and they were already talking about it and already planning on finalizing his new deal today. So, um, so that's done. We already know what's going on with that team. And honestly, like, I really hope that Cam Newton plays this week. That would be just nuts. I hope it does happen. We'll see. Okay, here we go. We're going to move on. I have a list here of the hot seat rankings for coaches. And I know that we've talked about this once before um, in a previous episode, but I just think that it's interesting that almost all of these coaches that we previously talked about a few weeks ago are still on this list. Like they have not done anything to make their teams better since they were called out for doing a terrible job weeks ago. Um, David Coley of the Houston Texans. We know what's going on there. I think they've won like one game, maybe two. I think still one. Um, they're just like one of the saddest organizations um, in the league right now. Uh, them and the Detroit Lions. Um, but it's just, they're just not, like I literally forget they even exist most of the time. So I think once they lost JJ Watt, they lost the team. So, um, maybe, you know, at this point it's just time for them to be like, all right, let's just keep our eyes on next season and see what we can do then. Um, number two, we have urban Meyer of the Jacksonville Jags. I think we all know what's going on here. Um, his transition from college to the NFL has been a rough one. Um, this is his first season in the NFL after his, um, phenomenal, um, standings in college football. Um, it has been known to be a hard transition for college um, coaches to move to the NFL, but his has been substantially more difficult. I think one, because he was so successful in college and he's so unsuccessful in the NFL, which seems like where's what's where are the missing pieces here? Um, we all know his, um, Personal opinions on flying back with the team is different than a lot of other teams and a lot of other coaches. Um, when that news came out that he didn't fly back with the team after a loss, a lot of coaches and former coaches took that very personally. Um, and a lot of players and former players also took that personally and thought um, that it was just a very unprofessional move of him. So, uh, yeah, I just, I don't think that he's <laughs> up for the task, to be honest with you. And I will be surprised if he remains in the NFL next season. Moving on to number three, we have Matt Rule from the Carolina Panthers. I feel like we've been talking about him a lot this episode. Um, you know, I just think the Carolina Panthers are just, they're having a hard time having a rough season. Their quarterbacks, I think we all had a, a lot of, Hope with Sam Darnold, after, especially after the first like game or two of this season, we we're like, oh wow, Sam Darnold is actually good. He was just playing for a terrible team, um, but he just didn't really progress after those first two games, and now he's out. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Matt Rule, I think this is a good move though of him uh, grabbing Cam Newton when he could. Um, going on to Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins, it just doesn't seem like he has any leadership and is making any good moves um, for that team. I think they've won like two games this season, um, one or two games. So just not not a good look for them either. And then Matt Nagy of the Chicago Bears. Um, I just hear the worst things about this coach, uh, just that he literally makes the worst decisions of all time. Um, and I, I think that he... <laughs> I think it may be time for them to uh, separate from him next season because he's been been with them for a while and just has not proved himself as a successful head coach. <clears throat> All right. Now, completely flipping the side of that, I want to go on to the mid-season Coach of the Year nominees. So I have four here, um, and it's, it's exciting because 
Some of them have been in the NFL for a very long time, and some of them have only been in the NFL for a few years. So it's really cool to see the mix of all four of these coaches here because they're completely different, but leading their team to a successful season so far um, in their own ways. So number one, we have Cliff Kingsbury from the Arizona Cardinals. Um, As we know, the Cardinals are crushing it this year. They have been undefeated until recently, um, but they've only lost one game on the season, so that's still an uh, outstanding standing. Uh, outstanding standing. Um, they are one of the teams to beat this year, and I think a lot of it has to do with their leadership from Cliff Kingsbury. Um, this is his third season with the Cardinals and in the NFL. Um so he, his first job in the NFL was head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, which is just like, just shot to the moon right away. Um, there was no like little transition. It was just like, hello, welcome to the NFL. You are a head coach. Um, you know, usually they start off on like linebackers coaches or wide receivers coaches and they move their way up to offensive coordinators and then they go to head coach. But he was just like, right from Texas Tech head coach to Arizona Cardinals head coach. Um, But anyways, like I said, this is his third season. Um, He has just slow and steady brought his team to a winning season in 2019. They finished that season at 5-10-1. 2020, they gained a few extra wins and finished the season at 8-8. And this season, they are currently 7-1, which is absolutely outstanding. And they are a, um, a favorite for the Super Bowl this season. Moving on to number two, I have Sean McDermott from the Buffalo Bills. Now, this guy has been around for a very long time. Sean McDermott is um, in his 19th season with the NFL. This is his fifth season as the head coach of the Bills. In 2019, he was nominated for NFL Coach of the Year after he led the Bills to a 10-6 and record. In 2020, he took his team all the way to the AFC Championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Unfortunately, they lost that game but finishes season at 15 and four, which is absolutely outstanding. Um, so this team is our, does um, have another amazing, uh, amazing season so far. And they're playing really well. I, I said they ended the season at 15 and four, but I don't think that's correct. So um, I can look at that. Maybe like 12 and four or something. I'm not sure why it says 15 and four, but. Anyways, um, they're having a great season. They've um, recently lost a few games, but that doesn't mean that they can't pick it back up and end um, on a high note and possibly get to um, some divisional games here and make a run for the Super Bowl. Moving on to number three, we have Brandon Staley. He is the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. This is his fourth season in the NFL and his first season with the Los Angeles Chargers and first season as head coach. His team is currently sitting at five and three. He was the the linebackers coach for the Chicago Bears. Then he was... um, the linebackers coach for the Denver Broncos. And now, um, and then he was a defensive coordinator for the LA Rams in 2020. And now he is doing his first head coaching stint with the Los Angeles Chargers. I think just like that mix of him and Justin Herbert is really great. It seems like it's kind of like um, you know, once like Tomlinson and Rivers like got out of the way, it's like this new blood and like young, like new resurgence of the organization just like came through and Staley and Herbert. And I just think them together are just a really good combo. Um, and it kind of just seems like this new, like young, like athletic fun vibe with the Chargers since, you know, especially since stiff old man Rivers <laughs> stepped out of the way. So I think it's exciting. And I think that Brand Staley is doing a great job with that team. All right, moving on to number four, we have Zach Taylor. He is the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. This is his fifth season in the NFL and his third season as a head coach of the Bengals. In 2019, he led his team to one of the worst records in franchise history, and they did not even win a game until week 10. 
In 2020, he drafted Joe Burrow and led them to a 4-11-1 record, which was substantially better than his first season. This season in 2021, his team is going into Week 10 with a 5-4 record, and they have already acquired more wins than they've had in the past two seasons. So, congrats, Zach Taylor. He is slowly but steadily getting his team to a winning record this season. I think he's got a good team. Um... A better team than he has had in a long time. I think he can trust in Joe Burrow. And, you know, I think that what he's doing there is 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 working. Um, we'll see. Obviously, they're not the best team in the league by any means. But they are, like, you know, just taking step by step to get to a winning record. Which I think is, you know, perfectly acceptable. So... All right, team, we are going to take a quick halftime break before we head into a few more rankings here, and then we're going to talk about the Week 10 matchups and who my picks are. So don't go anywhere. Um, Grab a quick sip of water, take a breath, shake it out, and we will meet right back here in a few minutes. Okay, bye. All right, team, we are back. We got a quick sip of water. We shook it out. We took a breath. We are back. We're doing this. Stretched it out a little bit. All right, here we go. We got a few rankings here um, to finish off this episode. So we're going to go into our top five passing leaders as of week 10. So heading into week 10, ending, rounding out in week nine. We're going to start with number one, Matthew Stafford of the Los Angeles Rams. He is finishing off week nine with 2,771 passing yards. Sheesh. And now we can only imagine what he's going to do with his huge list of offensive weaponry. (laughs) I just like, I can't even fathom what this is going to be like. Um, be very interesting with obj joining the team uh i don't know if he'll play in week 10 we'll see uh, that would be crazy if he does but i wouldn't put it past him so that would be fun to watch um number two we have the good old goat tom brady with 2650 yards um he also is just outstanding because he is a thousand years older than any of these other quarterbacks. Um, he's just an old man out there still making plays, throwing footballs, having fun, and it's just super awesome to watch. So good for him. Number three, we have Derek Carr, 2,565 passing yards. Uh, I don't know. I don't I like Derek Carr as a person. I know he's a good player. It's just really hard for me to like him like him because he plays for the Raiders. And I'm just like a huge Raider hater. So it's hard for me to fully get on board with him, even though deep down in my heart, I know that he is a good player and a good person. So mm, that's a tough one. All right, moving on to number four, we have Patrick Mahomes with 2,534 passing yards. I think that uh, he needs to separate from his family. I think his family are a bunch of nut jobs and they're ruining his career. So hopefully he makes a smart choice and just kind of like tells them to like, you know, back off or just completely walk away from that situation. But um, I mean, I know he's a good player. He's having kind of a rough year and it's not even like a rough year. It's just like he started off so good and like, so like, oh my gosh, who is this kid? He's like the best quarterback in the history of the NFL. And now it's just kind of like, oh, he's okay. Like his, you know, sometimes he wins, sometimes he loses. Like he's very average right now, which is just weird because he's usually just not average. So um, moving on to number five, you have Joe Burrow, 2,497 passing yards. Um, he's having a good season. Um, this is his second season. And last season he was injured. Um, what was, I think it was an AS, uh, ACL, I want to say. Um, but so he didn't even have his full season last year um, for his first one. So um, I think this is a good, uh, almost like re coming out season for him. Hopefully he gets to play the full, uh, the full season. Um, hopefully he doesn't get any injuries. Uh, knock on wood. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think he's playing great. He's playing good. Um, you know, he's young. He's going to learn. 
All right, let's move on. We're going into the grading of the NFL's next generation of QB. So we're going to stay on this page of new quarterbacks and just kind of like give them a little grading. And this was per um, CBS Sports. So pulling their stats. Um, we have Justin Herbert from the Los Angeles Chargers. His current grading is an A minus and B. Um, so right now it says Herbert's performance was much more workmanlike than his stat line. 32 of 38 for 356 yards with two touchdowns and zero interceptions in the week nine game. So it seems like um, his past game was okay, but his season grading is actually like a very high rating. So he's he is one of the best, if not the best, um, new generation quarterbacks um, coming into the league. Moving on, we have Joe Burrow. We just kind of mentioned him a little bit. Um, he is sitting at a B average here for his grading. Um, Burrow has his second straight disappointing Bengals loss in week nine, um, but he did have a strong individual performance. So the team lost. His performance as an individual player was good and strong and you know, exciting for the fan base. Um, but now that he's playing good as an individual, we need to get that um, glued into the rest of the team. And it needs to be a full team win because he clearly can't win a game just by himself playing good. So the, it needs to be a full team effort. Moving on to Jalen Hurts from the Philadelphia Eagles. He's sitting at an A minus, B minus. Um, Hurts didn't have any problem connecting on difficult throws and navigating through the Chargers pass rush. The, um, the Eagles did lose in week nine against the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Um, Jalen Hurts is playing okay. Um, just the Eagles themselves are just not great either. So he doesn't have a lot of weapons. Um, so, but it seems like he can navigate and he can connect, but he needs, I think needs a better, um, offensive team around him. Moving on, we have Mac Jones from the New England Patriots. He's sitting at a B minus C plus rating. In week nine, Jones had a multitude of swing passes, screens, and checkdowns. So it just seems like that he needs to grow into that position still. So, um, you know, it kind of just seems like he sometimes is great and sometimes is awful. So he's just not consistent yet. Let's reverse. He, this is his first season in the NFL, and with the um, the crazy organization that is the New England Patriots, so I don't think that we can expect him to be an A rating quarterback immediately. I think he needs to get sit well with that organization, just like stew in the organization for a little bit, and then I would be um, surprised if he doesn't grow with them and become a Tom Brady-like um, quarterback within the next, I don't know, three to five years. We'll see. All right, moving on to Trevor Lawrence from the Jacksonville Jags. He's one of our lowest rating quarterbacks. He is sitting at a D plus C average right now. The Jags scored their biggest win in a very long time on Sunday against the Bills, but surprisingly wasn't due to a strong performance by Trevor Lawrence. Um, yeah, so it was surprising that they beat the Bills because as we discussed earlier in this episode, the Bills are pretty good this season. They've had some weird losses recently, and this is one of them. But they, before those strange outlier losses, they're a very strong team. And they have been for at least two seasons, especially with Josh Allen. So um, it's surprising that they won. Obviously, though, they didn't win because Trevor Lawrence was a great quarterback by any means. I think this is like kind of like the Urban Meyer situation. Um, well, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're from the same from the same team but um I just think the transition from college 
before they were so successful and then moving straight to the NFL and just having like a really hard transition with that. It's just not, something is not connecting. And I don't know, like, I think like we all thought like, oh, best coach in college history and the best quarterback in the call in college this past season are going to be together. They're going to be a powerhouse. This totally makes sense. But I don't know, like maybe since neither of them have navigated the NFL yet, they're kind of just like walking around like chickens with their heads cut off, like don't really know how to navigate the league Um, because they like don't have like any strong leaders since they're both new to the NFL. So I don't know. That's just my my guess. I really have no idea what's going on with them. Um, It's just weird when you see them be so successful in one avenue and then you think, okay, great. They're going to continue to be successful. And then they just like completely nosedive. You're like, what happened? (laughs) Like what happened here? Okay. Moving on to Jordan Love of the Green Bay Packers. He is sitting ID rating. Um, The only thing that is saving Jordan Love from an F in this contest was the face, um, that the Packers offensive line had no answers for the Chiefs uh, was, well, okay, let me reverse, was the fact that the Packers offensive line had no answers for the Chiefs blitzes all game. Um, So with that said, he clearly didn't have a pocket. He did not have any protection around him at all. Um, Also, his poor mother was given the worst seats in the world, and I just like, I can't believe that was even a thing. Like the uh, the Chiefs are such dicks. Um, just putting her up in the literally the last seat of the entire stadium. Like I just ridiculous. Um, anyways, uh, obviously he took over as QB one last minute uh, when uh, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID. So, you know, this, he was kind of thrust in this position, although he, you know, has been the backup all season. So it's not like this is like a surprise. Like Aaron Rodgers is out. You are in, you know, that as the backup of all season, you know, that this is a possibility. So you can't just glide on through. Right. Anyways. Um, I hope that he continues on and continues pushing and learning and observing and you know I think that's what um I don't don't remember who made this mention but they were talking about you know just just learn from Rogers um just learn from his leadership style his uh, playing style you know just learn from him observe be a sponge um and your time will come Okay, we are moving on. We're going to talk about the midseason league power rankings. So let's get into this a little bit here. Number one, we have the Tampa Bay Bucks um, with a six and two ranking. Um, here's the thing: the NFC has some crazy good teams, and that's going to be wild to see who actually takes that um, conference because. The AFC sucks right now. Like, I will just say it. My team is in the AFC, and they're just like they're terrible. Um, I literally didn't even realize the Tennessee Titans were so good. They're like the best team in the AFC right now. I didn't even realize that. I had no idea. Um, I don't know. It's just like they're just playing so like the AFC is so bad right now. So, but it's just crazy because all the really good teams of the league are in the NFC. So that's going to be a crazy shakeout to see who actually wins those conferences and then in uh, or wins those divisions and then in turn wins the full conference title. That's going to be very interesting. Um, but anyways, going back to number one, Tampa Bay Bucks at six and two. We have the uh, number two, Green Bay Packers at seven and two. We have the Los Angeles Rams also at seven and two. We have the Arizona Cardinals at eight and one. And I know I said they're a seven and one earlier. They're eight and one. So they actually have the best record in the NFC. I don't know why they're ranked so low. Honestly, like I would put them at one or two, to be fair. Like, I think they're that good. And I think they're just like, I don't know. I think old man NFL people are just like, oh, well, this is their first season being good. So 
it's just, it's a flaw or whatever. Like, it's an outlier. Like, no, it's not. They're actually really good. They have the best, they have the best ranking, the best standing in the whole entire league. They've only lost one game. Like, give them their credit. Anyways, if I made this list, I would put them at one or two. Um, moving on, we have the Tennessee Titans at seven and two. Like I said, I literally had no idea they were even that good this season. I don't know why. I just like, I don't know. I just guess bumped them under the rug or something. But sheesh, they're one of the best teams, if not the best team in the entire AFC right now. So interesting. All right, moving on with the Baltimore Ravens at six and two, who's another good AFC team. Probably like the only <laughs> few. Um, but even that, they're not even like that great. Um, but we'll see. Um, moving on, we have the Buffalo Bills at five and three, who honestly they should have won more games. They definitely should not have lost to the Jacksonville Jags last week. They should be a six and two, but for some crazy reason something happened. They lost to the Jags. And then number eight, we have the Cleveland Browns. Um also an AFC team at five and four, although I would probably rank the Raiders above the Browns, to be fair, um, or even the Chargers. And I don't know if that's just because my my division is not represented in this list at all, which is the AFC West. And I think at least, like I'm not even saying like the Denver Broncos need to be in this because they don't. Um, but I am saying that maybe like the Chargers or the Raiders should be in there instead of the Browns. That's just my personal opinion. Okay. Speaking of the Raiders, let's go into this crazy stat that I saw. And I just like had to mention it because well, one, I'm a complete Raider hater. And so anytime I get a hate on the Raiders, I'm going to take that opportunity. So the Raiders draft class will go down in NFL history as the worst draft class ever. And this is why. Round one. And this is their uh, last draft or I think 2019 draft um, into the 2020 season. Round one pick Henry Ruggs is now in prison. We all know why. As he should be. Round one pick, Damon Arnett was cut. Round three pick, Lynn Bowden was traded and has zero snaps. Round three pick, Brian Edwards is the only player still on the field and is a starting wide receiver. Good for him. He's the only one that made it. Round three pick, Tanner Muse was cut and has zero snaps. Round four pick, John Simpson is a backup, sits on the bench. Round four pick, Amik Robertson is currently also benched, not doing anything. So... It's crazy. They made all these picks that they thought were going to be fantastic, and there's only one that's even playing. The rest of them don't even exist anymore. So it's just interesting when, you know, when you go into your draft and you're like, these are the players. They're going to change our team. They're going to change this organization. Some of them are in prison now. Some of them are benched. Some of them don't even play for the Raiders anymore. Like, it's just crazy how things change so quickly. Um... All right, here we go. Moving on. Shoot, we're almost there. Top five receiving leaders through week nine. We're just going to go through this nice and quick. Number one, Cooper Cup from the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I think the matchup with him and OBJ is going to be interesting to see. Obviously, I think Cooper Cup's still going to get a lot of um, passes, a lot of opportunities because he has proved himself. I mean, he is like the number one in the entire league right now. So not even like number one in his division or his conference. He's the number one in the league um, with receiving yards. So I think he'll still receive a lot of opportunities to receive. But I think, you know, obviously OBJ is good and they signed him for a reason. So he's OBJ is obviously going to get some of those Cooper Cup yards, right? Okay. Number two, Debo Sam Debo Samuel from the 49ers. Um, even though his team is just not playing very good this season, he does have 882 receiving yards um, so far this season, uh, which is a huge gap between one and two. So I would like to note that all the other um, rankings here are going to be very close together. The Between Cup and Samuel, very large gap. <laughs> like, 300 yards. <laughs> Very large. Okay. 
Moving on to number three, we have Jamar Chase from the Cincinnati Bengals. He's sitting at 835 yards. He's a rookie. He's like the number one rookie in the league right now. Moving on to number four, we have Devontae Adams from the Green Bay Packers. He's sitting at 786 yards. And then number five, we have Tyreek Hill, the Cheetah from the Kansas City Chiefs with 772 yards. So, which is interesting because his Chiefs are not playing very well this season. So, he is he's doing well by himself. Team, not doing well. Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. Week 9 matchups. Let's do this. Um, Tonight, the Ravens and the Dolphins are playing against each other. I'm definitely going to watch it on Amazon Prime, and I can't wait. Um... Ravens and Dolphins, I definitely, hands down, easy pick, took the Ravens for this game. The Dolphins are having a terrible season yet again, and the Ravens are so-so. They're not the worst. They're not the best. They're probably, they're, well, I mean, the AFC has terrible teams this season, but they are one of the best ones. Um, Moving on to the Saints at the Titans. I took the Titans in this game since I just recently realized how good the Titans are. So we're taking the Titans. Moving on to the Bills at the Jets. I'm going to take the Bills for this game. I know everyone's excited for the return of Mike White playing. Um, He's great. He's young. He's exciting. But I just think the Bills, one, are embarrassed if they lost to one of the worst teams in the league last season. Or I'm sorry, last week. Um, But I also just think they're just a good team. And I have, and I have been talking about it all season, um, that I think they're good. So, Bills. Um, next game, we have Lions at the Steelers. I'm absolutely going to take the Steelers on this game. The Lions are just awful. Um, if I remember right, I don't think they've even won a game. So, um, Steelers. Have they won a game? I don't know. I don't think they have yet. Don't don't write that down that I said that because I don't know if they have. I don't think they have. <clears throat> Moving on to the Jags, the Colts. Absolutely taking the Colts. I just saw something that the um, like Carson Wentz said that his wife might be in labor with our second child and he's going to play the game instead. Um, as a woman, I think that sucks, but... Hard to say. I'm going to take the Colts, though. Moving on to the Bucks, uh, Washington football team. I'm absolutely going to take the Bucks. Um, Washington football team is a very sad organization, and they are just not playing very well. I love Coach Rivera, but everything else about them is just not good. So I'm going to go Bucks. Moving on to the Browns at the Patriots. I'm going to take the Patriots for this game. This is going to be a good game. I like Baker Mayfield. Um, I think he's happier when that OBJ is not on their team anymore and I don't know why I don't know if they had like clashing egos um but I think the Patriots are there's a good organization I think Mac Jones is gonna play well it's gonna be a close game I don't even know if the Patriots are gonna win that game but I just feel like I that's you know that's what I took all right, moving on to the Falcons and the Cowboys. I'm going to take the Cowboys for this game. My team, the Broncos, beat them last week, um, which was one of the best games, uh, like, ever. <laughs> the, the Broncos just demolished them, and I think that's so exciting. But I think Cowboys are playing in Dallas this week. I think they are playing a team that they should win, or they should beat, and they're Definitely going to feel like, whoa, I can't believe we lost the Broncos last week. We need to pick it up. We need to do something. And Dak is healthy. He just, I don't know, wasn't playing well last week. I don't know what happened to him. But um, anyways, I picked the Cowboys for this game. Moving on to the Panthers at the Cardinals. I definitely took the Cardinals. Um, I don't think Cam's going to play this week. We'll see. It'll be exciting if he does. But I don't think he is. Um, And the Cardinals are just really good. Like, I know everyone is just like, oh, but they're the Cardinals. We're not giving them any credit um, for literally having the best um, standing in this entire league right now. But uh, I think they're amazing. They're great. They're a great team. Like, why why would they be sitting at 8-1 if they weren't good? Like, come on. All right, moving on to the Vikings at the Chargers. I'm going to go Chargers on this game. <clears throat> I spoke a little bit earlier about how much I like the Chargers. I like their organization. I like Justin Herbert. I like Staley. So I think they're a good combo. 
they're kind of on and off this season, but I think they're, they're going to beat this um, game or beat this team, especially on their home uh, turf. Moving on to the Seahawks at the Packers. I'm going to take Packers on this game. I don't, I don't know if Rodgers is able to come back. I don't know about that, actually. But um, Seahawks, I think Wilson's coming back. I don't know if Rodgers is coming back. This is going to be very interesting. It's going to be a good game to watch. I don't know what's, what's going to happen with that, but I took the Packers on that one. So that might have been a bad choice <laughs> now that I think about it, but it's already set in stone, so I can't take it back. Okay, moving on, we have the Eagles at the Broncos. I'm obviously going to take the Broncos because they are my team. I love the Broncos. I am from Denver, and this is what I, this is in my blood. So I am a Denver fan and I'm obviously going to always take the Broncos no matter what, no matter who they're playing. And they beat the Cowboys last week. And that's all I have to say. Okay. Moving on to the Chiefs at the Raiders. I'm going to take the Chiefs for this game. Um, I just am a Raider hater. I don't like the Raiders. Uh, I don't love the Chiefs, but I think they'll beat them. I think they'll beat the Raiders. That's going to be a good game, though, regardless. And then moving on to the last game of the week, we have the Rams at the 49ers. This will be interesting to see. The 49ers aren't a great team this season, um, but I think that it's still going to be an interesting game because I think this will be Vaughn's first game as a Ram, and I I hope OBJ plays. Like, that will be so cool. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But I took the Rams for that game. I think it's obvious. Um, okay, that was that. Yes. All right, we made it work. Um, today is Thursday. Tonight is going to be the Thursday night game, uh, and I'm going to watch it on Amazon Prime, and I can't wait. So excited. I'm glad we got these um, last-minute signings in this episode so we could chat about them because they are crazy. Um, but, yes, that's that. Week 10. We're just cruising right along here. Um we're going to watch it together. I'm thinking about like starting a, uh, what is it? A Twitch, a switch, a Twitch. I think it's switch Twitch. I don't know. Anyways, where I like record myself watching the game. Cause I'm really funny when I watch football. So I don't know. We will see. I got to think about it. I got to think about it. It's like this whole like, you know, Gen Z thing and I'm a millennial. So it scares me. Okay. Anyways, that was that. That was fun. Let me know if you guys have any questions. I love chatting with you, especially about football, obviously. So have a good week 10, and we will catch you back here next week for the recap. All right. Bye, team.